You are listening to Black Men in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant. And today we're going to talk about learned behavior. And air quotes, the myth of systemic racism, end quotes. We're going to also touch on the new movie we just saw, Antebellum, starring Janelle Monet. And we're going to share how uh, Mike and I, you know, how we start these conversations to begin with. It doesn't always start off so pretty. It's actually a little problematic. But we work through it, don't we, Mike? Sure. Let's get into it. For 10 years, in all things related to success, so you had parents that were obsessive about their children's academic work, attending school, not dissing the not dissing the teacher, not having your back turned, not, you know, screaming in class, taking your textbook home, studying for a test, not getting involved in gangs, drugs, two-parent families. If after 10 years of that sort of Asian behavior... Excuse me? Yeah, did, so she just compared black people to, to Asian Americans and said if we were more like them and after 10 years, they're... But, like, in such a flatly racist way that's assuming both, like, black people are yelling in class all the time, like, black kids are yelling in class all the time, turning their backs on the teacher. not going to school, yeah. like, what? And then assuming that all Asian kids do that, like, that's Asian behavior. Let's, hold on, we gotta see what else she's gonna say. We still saw racial disparities. At that point, I'm going to start listening to you talking about systemic racism. Oh, okay, I get it. So she believes that systemic racism is a myth. That's pretty much what she's... That's the whole conversation they're having is the myth of systemic racism. So she's basically saying none of it's true, none of it's real, because if black people just acted like other ethnicities in America, then we'd be okay. But that's to say that they're not also going through shit. Like, yeah. why did you pick Asian Americans? Why didn't you pick? Why did black we don't act, act like Mex- Mexican Americans? Oh, wait. Or white you, Americans. Because you're doing some crazy shit to the to other people, too. Stop it. That's, that's to say that Asian Americans have had no strife and no struggle in America. That is a full lie. That is also to say, to, to group up both uh, ethnicities and say that they just act one specific way in America that's crazy. Yeah, that's just bonkers. And then and then being like, oh, but but you know, all kids are this way. All kids are that way. And then only if all all black kids suddenly start acting like all Asian kids, then she'll believe in systemic racism. Let's okay. That's what? Part, part three. Let's just keep going. But right now, the behavioral disparities are so great. And those, it is those disparities which explain these ongoing gaps. And that's why I say we have to take on the myth of bias and say that there are, there are, there are cultural differences and beha- very glaring behavioral differences. If you have a 71 to 73% out-of-wedlock birth rate in the black community compared to, say, 16% in the Asian community, game over. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Mm. So she's basically throwing out statistics to confirm that the conditions of the black people in America is because of how we act in our behavior and not systemic racism. Right. But yeah. What? So we just we just woke up one day and we were uh, and we were just like, this is how we're going to act. Nothing has slavery has nothing to do with it. Hundreds of years of laws that actually put us down has nothing to do with it. 
uh, killing us in the street, and then even if it, even whether the killing was justified or unjustified, televising it and repeatedly making it go vi- viral to remind everybody the position of black men and black people in America in relation to cops. That mm-hmm. has nothing to do with it. And then also showing like mug shots of every black person that's ever committed a crime on national news yeah. every day. The representation of black people in media and not just media, history classes, uh, institutions, governments, uh, jobs, corporations, all of that has nothing to do with it. It's just black people's behavior. If we if we stopped acting this way and took school more seriously, I'm trying to follow this racist lady, what she's saying. Well, she also says the myth of bias, and it's like, the myth of bias? I thought bias was like the number one conservative commentator's like problem in America, is like the media is so biased. Oh, this biased leftist media. It's like, so you're saying bias in general is just a myth. That's the problem, is that it's always, with people like her, there's, there's always like, I let me call out everything that the other side is doing wrong, but then none of those things are allowed to be applied to their group or what she believes. Yeah. Like, Everyone else is biased. Everyone else is unfair. Everyone else is rude and, 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 and selfish. Their behavior is bad. And their behavior is bad. But then if you try to throw it back, if you try to throw it back at them, she goes, no, 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 no. It doesn't apply. What? Okay. Let's, there's one more part. White privilege consists of this, that whites are still a third as likely to grow up in a single parent household as blacks. If it gets up to 71% for whites, I can guarantee you we're going to see the same level of dysfunction. But right now, that is the white privilege, is that you have not just two parents, but more importantly still, at least among the elites, a culture that expects males to develop self-control and bourgeois values to find a mate. All right, I guess she's talking about me, so now it's my time to chime in. Um, Yes, please help me out Basically what she's saying is she's saying that like being born within a two parent household, like that is white privilege. That that's it. That's all white privilege is being born in a two parent household. No, incorrect. That is actually what two parent household privilege is. That is not white privilege. Yeah, that's just one that's one advantage. Yeah. White privilege is not having the color of your skin being a deterrent to you in your society and instead benefiting from it. I have the benefit of neutrality. When I walk into a room, people don't assume anything about me. I am a non-threatening to other people in the room entity. Uh, People don't think anything of me. I'm just neutral, right? Yeah. Then she also goes on to say that being born in a two-parent household means that you have self-control and quote-unquote bourgeoisie values, whatever the hell that is. I don't know, because I know a lot of white men, and I I ain't met one yet. (laughs) That has self-control, right? Yeah, self-control. What about all of the white men that have been called out over the last couple of years for not having self-control and for raping people? Oh, yeah, I didn't see I didn't even think about that. That's the number one thing I thought about. Yeah, what? like, stop. She's she's built. She's definitely she's putting unfounded facts towards so many groups, whether she's putting the positive ones or the negative ones. There, neither one of those should apply. Yeah, it's it's just mass stereotyping that is supposed to back up her point that systemic racism isn't a thing. It's it's nuts to me. I don't even understand what her goal is with this. She's basically saying to that, sell books and make money. Yeah, but sorry, that's, go ahead. that's true. Because it's like all of this is a choice. I don't, I don't think so. Cause I, I grew up, I didn't grow up in a single parent household. My parents are educated, college, uh, 
both had jobs, both worked uh, all the, my whole entire life. My dad's law enforcement. My dad is a Republican. Like, I don't even so say you have that white privilege most then. of the time. Huh? So you have white privilege then because you grew I up guess. in a two-parent household yeah, and have bourgeois values. I have white privilege and I just somehow bumped my head and decided to make a fucking podcast that talked about being a black man in America and how annoying it is because I'm making this all up. But you have your point was you've ex, still experienced racism. Yes, I experienced enough. That's what I'm saying to create a freaking podcast. I experienced enough that yeah, it doesn't matter. No one knows all that stuff about me. When you first look at me, you can't look at me and go, "Oh, he got two parents. They Christian, and his dad's a Republican." You can't. You don't know that from looking at me. If I walk into a room with some sweats on and flip flops and a, and a tank top, you don't know any of those things about my my upbringing. You immediately just see, "Oh, that's probably a thug." Or like a beach bum. Just or a beach bum. No, they, <laughs> just they, going they surfing later. They ain't never call no black people a beach bum. They call black people thugs and, and crackheads. I know. Well, I wish we were ever a beach bum. <laughs> Sorry, the flip-flops got me thinking about the beach. But she wasn't even talking to her damn self. She was talking to Candace Owens. So we got I want to hear what Candace has to say. Oh. And, and I'll just counter it's not... That's not white privilege. That's privilege, period. It's I don't privilege. care what, what color. If you come from a two-parent household, exactly. you know, a stable two-parent household, you are privileged. And I, when people try to tell me, you know, that just the color of your skin can disadvantage you. I mean, I was disadvantaged, sure, but it wasn't because of the color of my skin. It was because of decisions that my parents made. Right. You know, my mother didn't graduate high school. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? And and I didn't come from a stable two-parent household, you know, scenario. So signing up for student loans, not knowing what they meant, didn't ha- not having that guidance, that wasn't because of the color of my skin. All right, so she she pointed out some very interesting things here. Her she didn't know how to do student loans and all that stuff because your mom and dad grew up when they weren't even like allowed to get a loan, idiot. Uh, I'm sorry, like that. If you want to like throw points out there, like you can't blame your parents for your problems when your parents had their own problems that contributed to how they how they acted. Like this is this is just separated from this. That's a mantra that I personally have tried, that I've lived with, where I'm like, I don't hold my mom and dad's uh, knowledge or how they execute that knowledge and how they raise me against them because they come from a different time. Like, if my mom and dad lived in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I can't be like, why don't you, like, know how to help me make a, a Facebook page? Why don't you know how to help me get a student loan? Why don't you know how to help me be a better black man in America in 2020? Because it's a lot fucking different than 1967. So you got to take that into account. There yeah. were certain rights and, and privileges they were not allotted at that time. So that which had why because of racism so systemic racism is real baby you know do you think that malia and sasha obama um are disadvantaged because of the color of their skin apparently right yes, do you, right. Do, do yeah, you think right. that her that malia obama and sasha obama grew yeah. up in the same way i grew up and if your answer is no then you are acknowledging that what we're talking about is not has nothing to do with with racial differences or racial disparities right. they are disparities and they are privileges that are afforded but it has nothing to do with the color of our skin you can have the same exact privileges if you make the same the same exact behavior um decisions exactly and, and and that is that is so important okay so what do you what do you think about this uh so, I don't. I, see what are you afraid that to say anything because it's a black woman and you just don't want to come off as like racist no no not necessarily well I, it, it's not it's interesting because when we do these clips and when we do and we have these discussions i feel like i mean it's not you it's just that the nature of the conversation, it feels like I'm constantly like ragging on the world. And then you're just talking about how you can be a better person. 
But. Because that's what I think white people need to be doing right now. And that's what's so frustrating to me about Heather McDonald and people like this who are saying, oh, systemic racism isn't real. Like, like we, we're not going to acknowledge that. I'm trying to model what I think people are supposed to do, which is to admit that we have problems. And, like, maybe I'm not doing it enough, but, like... <laughs> Look, and I'm not trying to be like some like white savior like I would I mean I wouldn't even allow that. But Yeah, like I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so good because I'm admitting how bad I am. I just like it's true. Yeah, it's just I'm it's, not trying to be problematic. It's so and it's just fucked up because I'm just hearing this conversation between her and, and Candace and Heather, and then it's making me self-conscious throughout this entire process because I'm just like, fuck, like it's like how do I even battle or challenge that? Like I I I'm trying I'm trying my best to be positive for this fight, but then I have to deal, you have to deal with people like Candace who are saying that like black people are this way because we choose to be out more or less. And I'm like, it's just driving me nuts. <laughs> I know. So let, let's just go. Cause the Malia Obama thing, I think that's what is what's, what's really fucking with me too is cause they picked and choose one, uh, two a group of children, who are the daughters of a president of the United States? You, you, you don't even have to include the fact that they're black women. They, they're the daughters of the president of the United States. Which means they're highly under the microphone. They, yeah, or, or microscope. microscope. But they're, that's a privilege that's beyond any privilege. Because they're, they're the daughters of a world leader. One of the biggest world leaders in, in, ever. Yeah, it also so, means that they're heavily criticized, too. Yeah, like, remember they, yeah, the whole smoking they, weed, dancing thing? Yeah, everyone was talking mess about them. They'd be yeah. calling them out their name. They'd be they mis... Uh, mis like, Misrepresenting them and also with that, they're college, they are college uh, educated. They they come from two uh, married parents. They come from like parents who have like very lucrative and and, and big time jobs. So it's like, but you still you still had some off off cuff off the cuff like off kilter shit to say about them. Right. So it's like stop. Don't do that. Don't pick and choose one. A good black person and be like, well, see, like things aren't bad for them, so racism's not real. Yeah, That's you mean not to tell true. me they didn't experience racism ever? We just I, listed off a hundred. I literally ways. just heard Tyler Perry talk about all of the, the the shit he has to go through. I heard Oprah talk about all the shit she has to go through. I heard Michelle Obama talk about all the shit she has to go through. Now those people are all very prominent and multimillionaires, billionaires. So you trying to tell me race, systemic racism is not an issue, but those people who are at the top of the game still are going through some bullshit? Yeah. Get out of here, Candace. That's not, you're not helping anybody. And I just, you know, I, I beat that drum every single day. And I say all the time, I, I am not fond of what black culture has become. And, you know, it's disintegrated. It disintegrates every decade. It gets worse and worse. Right. Um, I consider myself to be a black American from the 1950s, 1940s, my grandfather's time when they grew up. And it was about respect, values, hard work. Um, and my grandfather fared better than my father did. Did this woman just say that she considers herself to be black person from the 1940s and 1950s she did okay so that unpack that actually that explains a lot because she said that was a time of respect and values um no that was a time of this is who you are considered as a, a citizen based off of our problematic laws in history and you better be you better have uh, this certain type of behavior or these values that we gave to you or we will kill you or you will not or you'll go to jail so I don't want to be that. Candace, you can be a black woman from the 1950s. Have that, baby. Enjoy it. 
Good, like have the time of your life. Because I, I apparently that's what that looks like is peddling uh, and pandering to the white man and white racist, man, racist white men. Not, not. I'm not going to say all white people. Racist, bigoted white people with problematic ideations. Yeah. Um, because. To sell books and, to and sell, make money. Yeah, to sell, sell, sell her TV show. Money. But is it worth it? Like, to, to just say the whole, the whole black community has declined over the years? And disintegrated. You, and disintegrated. And she said she's ashamed. That's you. I, we know. We know you're ashamed of blackness. We know you're ashamed to be black. And you're hurt. But if you're hurt, go get help. Go, go get it. That's, you shouldn't be talking to Heather McDonald. You need to be talking to a therapist. You need to be talking to a historian or something. Because this is, this sound, your hurt and your, your anger and rage to your identity and who you are, the way how you're expressing it is only to, is only bringing other black people down and, and only bringing the community down. Because all these, all these Republicans and all these uh, bigoted, talk shows are going to bring you on there so you can validate their crazy ass viewpoints. And then they're like, see, this one black lady said, said it. So it must be true for all black people. No, that's not how it works. It doesn't even work when I say shit. I am not the voice of all black people. You are not the voice of all black people either in any way. Yeah. But it is funny how people will project what they're doing and what they accuse other people of. So for example, she's saying like the black, like people in the black community and black culture, they're, they're basically like dis, like disintegrating themselves, right? She's saying like because of the behavior of black people, like they're ruining their culture. Well, isn't she disparaging her own culture right now? Yeah, maybe she's talking. Maybe this is like one of those things where she's trapped like in the in the sunken place, and she's like giving us coded messages to save her. She's like, "Help me! I am a black woman trapped in the 1950s." And I and black people are declining. She's talking about her like herself. Maybe she's like just constantly saying like <laughs> like we need to rescue her from something. Like, are you okay? Blink twice if you need if you need me to help you. Like, it's, <laughs> it's tough because she. I feel like she has. She's in a position where she has to double down, or that her income stream's gonna stop. Because who's gonna hire her outside of these you know right wing, extreme extremist you know, coded racist people? Yeah. At this point. I'll tell you what she can do. She can write a tell-all book about all the shit that they told her in the in like the back rooms of all these and green rooms of all these interviews she did. She can yeah. start there. <laughs> <laughs> and like the thing is, I don't even want to make this is not even about her. No, the, it's not. the crux of why we chose this clip, these clips to to talk about and kind of unpack a little bit is because we want to really get into this idea of behavior and whether it's something that is like learned or whether it's something that we we always that we're just just burnt born with like inherently have yes, like nature versus I, nurture. We got, I mean i'm still i'm still like trying to come back from this but like we were going back and forth about this for like the last two days because yeah pretty much like i just been getting heated ass arguments on twitter lately because like i just don't give a shit uh, <laughs> and everybody who has something crazy to say to me um i'll just be like you're trashed whatever you're trash i don't have like i'm not i'm not here to entertain trolls like there was even, for example, there was one troll that he had like the Simpsons face avatar. So you already know it's not his real name; it's a Simpsons character. By the way, that reminds me, uh, I need to I need to redact something. I said what? like in the last episode that you Grant looked like Quagmire. That's not true. Uh, you don't remind me of Quagmire. You, uh, I was corrected, and a friend of mine said that 
you actually look like Ned Flanders, and that's that's <laughs> like that is. Oh, uh, I have a mustache and everything. Yeah, you I have totally the mustache, do. You have the glasses. You have the sometimes hey, the sweaters with the <laughs> the like flannel hanging out. Like Heidi Ho, neighbor. Like you're Heidi, Heidi Ho, roommate. Um, oh yeah. That's How so, did you find the whitest guy on earth to live with? I don't know. The do universe fucked me up and was like, "Bitch, you gonna learn something? I'm gonna give you, pair you with the whitest person you ever met." Dang, I am I am Ned Flanders. No, that's you're so not. Funny. No, maybe. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> give me a couple of years. Yeah, give me a couple of years. But the it's the argument that we were having was just basically that it's. I was saying that because one of the guys said that the fear of darkness is something that people all around the world have. And th- to give you some backstory, it was all from a thread where we were trying to discuss like uh the racism and th- the depiction of like people of color and black people and stuff and fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, and the I- original tweet is if I started a pod this is from uh someone on Twitter they said if I started a podcast called Colonial Fantasies to critique and unpack the colonial imaginaries of Game of Thrones, The Avengers, Lord of the Rings, Witcher, etc. um through a critical race race slash post-colonial lens, would people be into that? And then yes. you responded. And it was, yes, because there's a, a female uh, poet, she posted that. And I basically said, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite uh, series, books, all of those things. But I will have to acknowledge the elves, the Easterner, not the elves, the Easterners, the orcs, the goblins, the Urukai, all that shit is like all people of color and monsters of color. So like, we need to talk about that. And then, of course, some people agree, but then you have the trolls that pop in there and they're like, oh, no, they're actually gray. Oh, no, this isn't, you're, it's just a fantasy novel. Why are you putting so much on it? And I was like, whatever, I can deal with that trash. But then when one guy said that the whole, the whole book is just like basically trying to show that darkness is bad and, and the whole idea of darkness is evil, I was like, that is the problem. But he's saying, oh, that's inherent that we all like everyone around the world it has that has that natural uh bias i guess or natural the right. natural fear of darkness mythological bias yeah and i and i basically said no like fear of darkness is something that is a learned behavior something that we develop through our like childhood and and then also just the way the world is shaped like we Design that like you know when we get turn it's nighttime we go to sleep, uh nighttime stores close nighttime you know like there's still moonlight and all that stuff like that so it's not actually that dark out there it's just that's our world is just designed to go to sleep at nighttime, mm-hmm. but not every culture does that not every uh not every part of the world has nighttime at the same hours and and periods so and so from there I I would I pushed back a little bit and all i said was correct, correct me said. if i correct me if i'm misquoting myself to make myself sound better in hindsight but i said well isn't there something there is something inherent where when we're at night and we can't see as well like we're a little bit more on edge or where there's a little bit more like our senses are become more heightened we become more jumpy i think is what i said like that is something that is like inherent in us yes yeah, what i thought but i and I had to push back on that because I was like, one, I, it was a statement that followed what I had already, what I just brought up. And then I was like, why, what does that have? Like, that sounds like it's, it's dismissing or arguing that like, maybe sometimes there are things that we are born with inherently to be afraid of, like darkness. And I was like, mm, I don't know. But I, I know that's not what you meant, but right. I, 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 I was just saying like, what about people who are born without sight? 
Mm -hmm. What about people that are visually impaired? Like, you are someone that wears glasses. So, like, if I take your glasses off right now, you can't can't see that well. So, that has nothing to do with... My senses are heightened. Your senses are going to be heightened. That has nothing to do with the darkness. So, like, like, my point still stands, but... So yeah, we were we were just going back and forth for that, and it became the whole thing. It became a whole thing, just the idea of the fear versus behavior, and well, because I got caught up on this word "learned behavior." Yeah, this phrase "learned behavior." I was saying that because most things are learned behavior. Like I don't, when we're born, we we're born without fear. Like you yeah, don't, which you is don't a know, true thing. You don't know be afraid of fire until you get burned, or your parents keep yelling at you not to touch it. You don't know to be afraid of of a dog. Until you get bit or a dog attacks you, you don't know to be uh, happy when like you eat your favorite food until like your parents go, yay, mmm. Like think about all those things that your parents do or, or your guardians do that that develops you or school. Because also you gotta we have to take into account, especially in America, we have we're forced to go to school. Not not we're forced to go to school at a certain age, and we have to stay in that system. And then they have a certain curriculum that they teach us depending on where you live. Right. And so all that stuff is indoctrination. And then there's the family of origin too that you're born into, and what that family teaches you. Yes, and what what that family teaches you. So these are all this all learned behaviors. If you didn't have all that, you just walk the fuck off a cliff or something, or (laughs) or die in your sleep. I don't know. Yeah, plenty of things could happen. But I, I, I feel like, so what, what it came down to is I was just saying, like, I think that there's, or I always thought that there was some innate sense of, like, um, the, the fight or flight response that we have um, in us as we are, you know, developing. Like, like, there, like, there's something natural, like, instinctual about fight or flight, right? Like, it's a, it's a physiological thing. And, and I was getting caught up on that. As like, I don't think that is necessarily a learned behavior. I I always thought that there was some combination of like na- nature and nurture in that regard. And so like there is something natural about you know when you're in a panic situation, when you're in a fear situation. But that see, but what you're saying, but I, what I'm trying to tell you is that the choice of fight or flight is all based upon what you have learned, because you got to choose one or the other. You don't. You're not born with automatic flight. You're not born with automatic fight. But but isn't but then that that takes me to like the emotion of fear like is the emotion of fear something that we learn? Yes. To, the, but like there's no there's no natural propensity to fear, so all fear is learned. I I that's what I believe. I believe fears are, are learned off of experience. Not when I say learned behavior, like that doesn't mean a teacher came and sat down with you with a textbook and taught you. You can also learn things on your own. Like as as an adult, if I if I uh, keep making these bad choices four or five times in a row, I'm like, maybe I should stop doing that. I just learned something. It's not it wasn't someone taught me anything. It's the same thing. If you're a little kid and parents do this all the time, you see like those videos of babies like they'll do something, they like put it in their mouth and they're like ooh, and they get shocked, and the parents are like see. Mm. The kid did that. The mom and dad didn't do anything. The kid just learned that on themselves. So now they're like, oh, I don't like that. That's nasty. Oh, I don't like that. I'm afraid of it. Oh, I do like that. I love it. That is a learned behavior to react to how to react to something. Like, you, I don't think, I don't think the kid knows that the lemon is sour before they t- eat the lemon. Yeah. So, and that's why I'm saying, like, the fight or flight, that choice comes from after... After, like that comes that comes based off of whatever you whatever you have learned or whatever the lack of what you have learned. Yeah, like like you're, as you're growing up and you're um, because that's part of like developmental psychology is like you're growing up 
And as you grow up, like in the first five years or whatever, you learn so much about the world just through like experience and things. And that can relate to like, maybe like rational fears that you have that are like protective, like, Ooh, I put my hand in the fire that hurt. I'm not going to do that. Now I know that. And then there's maybe irrational fears where something happened where, you know, a dog ran by and, and surprised you or something, and now you're rationally afraid of, like, yeah, that's which a phobia. Become, yeah, and, a, and a phobias are irrational fears. But, so, well, like, the reason why I was so combative to what you were saying is because I was like, it just sounded like to me, if I, was, if I have to agree that certain, like, the idea of certain fight, flight or fight, fight or flight or fears are, were born with them, then I was like, that almost validates why some people just got are going to be born to have a fear of black people. But yeah, I don't that, like, and that's why my whole point is like that was never my point at all. I like I, but it's but the way that I was that I was questioning you, and that I was maybe pushing back made you feel like I was like validating these dudes on Twitter or whatever, or at least that's how I yeah, felt. Yeah, I mean, you just you you because you had that statement right after I brought something up to you. I, I mean, know this happens. Bad timing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens a lot. Just for like people listening, like you think that everything is hunky dory and like we just perfectly are always in unison and in sync. Nope. And like there's there's never moments of contention or correction. That's not true. Like before we even get to this process to come up with these episode topics, yeah. there's always like a well, what do you mean by that? Why do you say that? I don't know. So like And then we're like, pause, yeah. save it for the show. Pause, yeah, wait a minute, put a pin in it. Let's say this for let's say this for our, our conversation. Yeah. But yeah, so that's it's just because what Candace was saying about the behaviors and what Heather was saying about the behaviors, that's all so problematic. Because we we're basing current behaviors and and reactions and how people are living now, and saying that is the reason why you're in the situation you're in. That that can't be true. You can't say, oh, people, because you because you want to live in a poor neighborhood and because you act this certain way, that is why you are not doing well. That no, it they it's the other way around. It's they are they're in that poor neighborhood. They are not uh, striving to do certain things with their life or they're acting a certain way because of the history and the racism that happened before. So it's what I'm going back to what I'm saying. It's like it's the learned behavior. But that's the thing is so their their argument is that if if. That that the learned behavior that they're getting is from their like broken household, right? Basically, that's what they're but saying. It's from their the broken household? culture. Who broke the household? Exactly. That's the part that they're leaving out. They're of left the argument. out, right? It's just the whole ellipses. Like, well, they're single parent households, and black people don't try that hard because they're single parents. Goodness. Yeah, probably because you killed the dad. Why do you and, think Candace Owens them out and then sold the mom and the children to another slave owner in another state? Like, why do you think Candace Owens' mom didn't graduate high school? Like, it probably had something to do with the circumstances with which she was raised and, and born into and had because of systemic racism at the time that she was born that, that has that has carried with. Yeah, I don't know, even know the culture. age of her mother, but I'm pretty sure she was I'm pretty sure she was trying to go to school around a time when, like, she only could go to a school for blacks only and only could drink in a water fountain for blacks only. Or no, that was her grandfather because her grandfather was in the 40s and 50s, right? So maybe like 60s, 70s. Still wasn't a great time for black people. Yeah, still 70s, wasn't a great 80s, time. still wasn't a great time. Yeah. But so, like, it's, but she said, like, didn't even graduate high school. Like, that's so, is that what, like, I, if that's where we are, we're like, these racist, this racist rhetoric and this bigoted conversation, it just starts at the end. Then it's like, how do you even win against that? Because it's just like, 
they it sounds crazy to me because it's like this conversation where we don't want to forget our history. History is very important to us. Do not take down a statue. Do not take down a Confederate flag, but only bring up the history I want to talk about. Because I'm yeah. like, OK, cool. Let's have a statue of of uh, a racist uh, general who fought for the South. But right next to him, can we have a statue of him also in a KKK hood? And then next to that statue, I want a statue of the of the slaves that he killed and hung from trees. And then next to that statue, I want a statue of the women that he probably raped that mm-hmm. were his slaves. If you want to, if you wanted to, if you love history so much, let's have all of the statues then. Don't pick, you don't get to pick and choose and be like, let me tell this different narrative. Let me only talk about the things that I like. Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's partially fear-based because they're afraid that. If they acknowledge it, like, like I, I'm a white guy. I'm going to tell you right now. Sure. I know how this, I know how this shit works. <laughs> you know? Like, how does your fucking like, brain work? It's difficult to acknowledge that you benefit from fucked up things. It's difficult to acknowledge that you've done fucked up things. That is difficult. But okay? everyone has to do that. Yeah. That is and just, some people aren't doing the work. You want to know why? Because they're getting rewarded financially from not doing it because white people are willing to buy them and watch them and be like, yeah, this is great. This backs up what I believe. I, I will sit. I'll be a little controversial here and say that it's not even at this point. We have gotten so far with this in America that it has become it is not just like a white man's problem. Like everybody does not address these issues as the, in the way we should as an American society. Black people, too. I like I I don't normally even share this with white people. I'm gonna share this with you and then whoever the fuck is listening. <laughs> but like growing up, it wasn't like my my aunts and uncles, my and I, I really didn't my grandparents all mostly passed away before I was born. But the older patriarchal and matriarchal people in my family never talked about the sixties, the seventies, the forties, the you know, the, the time that they grew up and all the segregation and shit. I never got to hear about what schools they weren't allowed to. I never got to hear about the time they tried to get a, go to a restaurant and got arrested. I never heard about when they tried to get on a bus and they didn't weren't allowed. Like it was just inherent in this old southern uh, southern like black culture to just be like let's not talk about the, the the sad past let's just move on we don't even discuss it so when I come to a white person like you and I'm like we need to talk about the past we need to do this like one I'm being a little hypocritical two this is something that all like two this all of, all of us need to do this yeah because my uh because I don't want to I don't want to go through this anymore like black people as a whole, we got to make sure that we also are acknowledging the past and letting the, letting the future know so that you get these young little SoundCloud rappers out here. They know, be careful, don't get too cocky because there's A, B, and C from our past that could have occurred and happened to you. But they don't know that if we're not telling them. And then they go out there acting a fool and then someone, and a cop dro- dro- drops some racist shit on them or a cop kills them or, or, they get caught up somehow because they, they didn't get all the, the bullet points. A lot of what I learned was, you know, because my parents were very much, you know, into, my, like I told said before, my dad's into history. My dad, my brother's reading all these different books. My mom is, uh, my mom shares a lot. Like it's, it's, they, they were, they were different in that regard of telling me certain things, but they still left out a lot of nuggets or a lot of deep, deeply rooted stressful situations they didn't want to talk about the past 
in that regard. They kind of they kind of wanted to make sure it just sounded good enough for for a little kid to hear, and that and that sucks because then I'm surprised and shocked when I learn of of other things. Dude, that's that's definitely that definitely happened in my family too. There's a lot of stuff that I learned later on. A lot of stuff I still don't even know. That American, is that's like that I mean, maybe it's not an American thing. Maybe it's a world world thing, but. Yeah, people were so afraid of this fucked up past that they could leave things out. And because of that, we make the same mistakes. Yeah, and because we're not addressing it. Yeah, and I think it's easy for, especially now, it's easy to seek out information that just like reinforces your biases and your um, learned behavior, your learned, like, your your learned, yeah, your learned biased behavior. Learn, learn behavior, like I said. I yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, like getting back to that, I, just for a second, um, your family of origin is so important and it, and it, and so many triggers that you have like come from like just those first five years of, of, and just how you are with your family. And then you take that out into the world around you. But like the way that you're like the society around you and your village around you, if we're going to use a, kind of a metaphor, um, treats you and treats your family, that also creates learned, that also is a learned behavior. Like you learn how to get along and to fit into your group dynamic, whatever that is. And so everyone, every, like you're totally right in that, like all of these things, all of these fears that we have, rational or irrational, stem from things that we've learned somewhere. And so the process that we have now is unlearning all of that stuff that's problematic. Just like me unlearning, like maybe the fear of the dark isn't an inherent thing that everyone has. Yeah. Because, like, I, I've even learned in my life to not be afraid of the dark. You just get it, you let your eyes get accustomed to it, and then you can see still just as fine. There should be, there should be simultaneous learning here. Like, every time you and I have these conversations, you should be learning how to dismantle systemic racism and how to make sure that you, as a white male, are not contributing and furthering that and being anti-racist. Now, on the, at the same time, me as a black man, I should be also learning how to dismantle racism. We both should have that same thing. But mm-hmm. then on top of that, I need to learn to that there is a progress and there is there is a there's a, a change happening. That the things that I believed or the things that I'm afear, afraid of with white America, white society in the world can change, and I can be included in the equation eventually. If I don't unlearn that, it doesn't matter how much you learn. I would still be mad at you. Do you, do you are you following me? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying following like, you. While you have to learn to accept me, I have to learn to accept you accepting me. Because yeah. I, could, I could easily be like, I don't give a fuck what you recite to me, Grant, as a white guy. I still think you're racist. I don't want to talk to you right now. But the so, problem comes in with like, maybe I think I'm doing things that are like accepting you, but I'm all simultaneously doing things that I don't even realize I'm doing that are like pushing you away. Or... I mean, that's like, why we got to just continue to call each other out. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's calling each other out without invalidating or saying the person what you're feeling is not real. And that's the problem with a lot of this stuff is it's invalidating the feelings and invalidating the truth of the matter by saying, oh, systemic racism isn't real. Yeah, don't say, uh, what is, calling things a myth, saying things are, are a hoax, yeah. saying things are, are made up or fictitious. What is the point of that? To stop that. If a, it, it can, it's not. The minute it becomes an emotion or the minute it becomes a thought or an experience of a person, it's real. An experience, a feeling. Like if someone said, oh, 
the other day, aliens came down and abducted my dad. And that physically did not happen. That's that's not real. That's fictitious. But if someone said, my dad never talks to me and he doesn't pay attention to me and it kind of feels like aliens came and just abducted my dad. The reality is the relationship with the father is strained. That is real. That is not fictitious because that is how the person feels. Even if the dad's like, no, I love my son. Even if the dad's like, what? I talk to him like once a day. It doesn't matter, man. What this? What your son is saying? This is something I'm talking to my dad. I'm not really, but kind of. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, it's like it's the minute the person is reciting a feeling or an emotion of how their experience felt within themselves, it's real. Well, you can't you can't say it's not not real. I get I can understand why you get mad and say systemic racism is a myth because we're not talking about a physical person, but but they get mad when you call off like people too. Yeah, we can't call out individual people. We can't call out the, the institutions. So it's like the myth of systemic racism is fake. So it does is there is or is is the the myth of systemic racism is a thing. So there's so all the systematic uh, problems are, are made up. I don't think so. Do we not even see what's happening like with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like can we? No one's addressing the fact that how few women are were Supreme Court justices. No one's addressing the fact of like. Of, of all the laws and things she tried to pass and what she meant to so many people, it's like that's only allotted a to her, not to all the justices. Like, it's that's a problem. That's what we need to be addressing. That is systematic. Yeah. That's not a myth. That's no one, no one's making that up. Like, it's not, it's not always like black people or, or liberal people, people on the left, people who are socially progressive. It, it's not that they're always saying that everyone is bad everyone is physically out there trying to hurt black people women and people of color it is that there are a lot of systems that are designed based off of our history that have not improved and at that time when they were created they were to to hinder like women and people of color so now they they still exist or there's residual effects of them and it's still affecting those people because we haven't we haven't fixed them we haven't come up with a new plan of how to move forward we just we just got rid of it and then with no solution that reminds me we we had a dis another discussion last night about the new deal and i was like the new deal that yeah that made jobs for black people right like and you're like what in the 30s like no and i was like I mean, they had to have had some jobs, yeah, and then you and, had to like go and like uh, look that into was, it. Yeah, that was also a hard one because when you said that, I was like, "What do you need me to do? Do you need me to like <laughs> dig up FDR and ask him?" Like, I, was, I just don't even know. Because well, like, you were just like, you were like, was it actually was it like racist or something? Oh, I, I said, was it specifically racist was or was it, it just systemically racist? racist? No, like, homie. The entire country was specifically racist <laughs> in 1930. So, yeah. like, <laughs> what do you mean? It's I was, a yeah, I was like, moment. literally, like, it, it didn't matter. Anything, anything that was enacted or a law that was created or put through or any time a politician met with somebody or spoke on TV, it would probably had elements of racism uh, within it because that was the laws and that was the nature of the entire country. I'm not saying that every single president and every single church going person in 1935 or whatever was out there saying, I hate niggers, but a good amount of them were. And the laws that were designed were made it sure that we were separate. Like all those Jim Crow laws and stuff, it says blacks on it. It says it doesn't say people of color. Like it doesn't say like uh, this. This is where all of the 
the um, white guys get to do, and then this is where all the people of color get to do. No, it literally just, most of the time it says blacks. Now, the, the, when the state started having their individual laws and they started putting the signs on everything, yes, it says for coloreds because they realized, like, that law they probably made is like, oh, shit, we forgot about all the other colors. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which is silly. But it's, yeah, so the New Deal, like, is was beneficial to Americans to a certain degree, but it also created a lot of systems that kept black people where they were in one in one spot. Yeah, like giving giving the government aid and stuff like that, and, and creating projects and all that stuff like that isn't that helpful? Because now now you have this issue where Candace Owens is talking about they they're being told, okay, stay stay in that situation that you are. We'll send you government money. It's okay. Versus. Do not be in that situation anymore. Sorry, we apologize. That is a residual effect of racism. You don't need to be in that position. Right, because when we looked it up, we found out that there were certain laws that were specifically written so that it left out like sharecroppers, like specifically African-American sharecroppers in that time, because the people writing the laws were the racist Southern Democrats of that time. Yeah. So they could write it. The whole party, you know, the party flip flop type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'm like, whatever. They they can flip flop, jump rope, hop scotch. They can do whatever the fuck they want. They always hanging out and breaking bread with each other, so it's a problem all around the table. They still do. I mean, now it's a little feisty, but there's yeah. Still, yeah. So this, I mean, all goes great because we just yeah. Speaking we, of southern uh, racist. Speaking of southern racism and like residual effects of racism. Yeah. We just recently watched Antebellum. What uh, a movie that was. Yeah. I watched it twice. I had to watch it by myself because I most of the, remember I've said like if I watch like Twelve Years a Slave or you know this movie, I have to watch it like with just my black self or my black family so I can make sure that I'm like I need to I need to screen it first to understand what is what I'm looking at and then I was like okay now and I'll how watch you're it. gonna react to yeah it, how I'm gonna react because now I watch yeah. it with Grant maybe right. watching this movie twice in a row is what made it <laughs> what created this like tension and while we've been like having a lot of disagreements in the last two days maybe maybe i don't know maybe i'm like oh i remember i remember now um but <laughs> uh, <laughs> this movie is so interesting because one it's it's led by a black woman janelle monet who i mean we i've said it before that she is, she's phenomenal. Like on top, not, not even including her singing and her music and all that stuff like that. Her as an actor, she be hitting some some crazy ass emotions. So we're following this black woman, and she's in two different. I mean, you've seen in the previews. There's gonna be moments where Janelle Monae is portraying a character in present day. There's gonna be moments where she's portraying someone in the the slave written South. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's. And seeing her, seeing this woman in a position, in both of those different positions, in both of those different worlds, it said a lot to me. Like, I don't, I don't think it was, whether or not it was the attention of the movie. I think the fact, the focus on women and black women, and how she can be treated one way in this certain way in the present day, and she can be treated another way in that in that past, in that in that southern slave South. It's like it was so identical. And it was a trip to me because, you know, in the, in the present day, you got Ubers and, and guys buying drinks and maybe they roofied the drink and and sexual advances and uh, and weird, awkward competition between women and, you know, the white man's reaction towards women and the white woman's reaction toward a black woman. All that stuff was happening in the present time and in, in the past or in the slave south, like her relationship with being like the sapphires 
and having to have sex with the soldiers uh, against their will and having and being raped and branded by the slave owner and, and the slave master and like all these things. I'm like, oh, it's hitting so many points. But of course, you know, the general public has to have their opinion of the movie. So. Yeah, I mean, we looked up some of the reviews, and a lot of people didn't. What did it. they say? Uh, they didn't like it. Let me put it that way. I mean, I, that's what I expected, though. You think? Yeah, I don't. Well, it's interesting because the critics. Okay, we're going to Rotten Tomatoes, right? Rotten Tomatoes has its flaws. We'll admit, but uh, just for sake of argument, you've got all of the critics here who gave it their score, right? And so the score was, I believe, is twenty six percent rotten, uh, rotten. But the audience score was actually sixty one percent. Which is twenty one? It got twenty one percent. Twenty six percent. Twenty six. That's because honestly, the people who drive that are like fanboys, racist, problematic, incel fanboys. I'm sorry, because not of, all of them. Not but all a of them. lot, a uh, decent amount. Because well, whatever, like the movie's uncomfortable. Yeah, because it deals with some crazy situations. Sorry, there wasn't a white savior in the movie. Sorry that you know Brad Pitt didn't come and save her in the end. Sorry that like. It wasn't Quentin Tarantino making them say nigger a uh, hundred and one times. Like, here's that, here's some of the criticism that people said. Okay, right. So, give it to me. Uh, so it gives the illusion of having meaning, but in reality, the film is a gaudy, grisly bobble style without substance, and it's too bad because it isn't hard to imagine a version of this film that is legitimately great. Uh, Antebellum may have started with earnest motivations, but betrayed itself by opting to shop for shock and awe instead of significant thought-provoking drama. Uh, Antebellum sells itself as a horror film, but without proper gravitas, that execution lands closer to uncomfortable exploitation. Um, um, even the woman who liked it, um, she said, brutal slavery horror pick, horror pick has cool twists, but lacks depth. <laughs> um, I mean, does it matter with the ethnicity of these people? Uh, the, the, uh, reviewers, you probably, I mean, we probably can't just tell by looking at that. Oh, they, they have the name and pictures of a lot of these people. Are they white? Some of them are black men and women. Um, um I, um, the majority of them though are white men. I'm going to tell you right now, like I get it. Like everybody's allowed as an entire their opinion, whatever. If they're talking about the structure of the movie, the, the cinemat cinematography, stuff like that, whatever, let's get all into that. Who gives a fuck? But mostly they just didn't like that. It didn't seem like it had a message, but the thing is the horror we 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 got confused because we get stuck in this 19 1980s horror when the, when the 80s came around in the late 70s we were like oh slashers and Jason Voorhees and and these monsters come and get us and stuff like that or if you got you got the monsters of you know the black and white and, and the classic ones you got Frankenstein and the, the creature from the black lagoon and all that that's not always horror that's, there's a difference between a monster flick and like just horror. Like when I look at Rosemary's Baby, I wasn't jumping and flinching and shit every moment. But when you look at something that could be so real, that is also scary. If sorry, the minute I saw the slave plantation, I was like, this is already scary. You didn't. <laughs> I didn't need. I didn't need zombies and monsters to come out. I didn't need a like a possessed like twelve year old girl. I that's enough for me. The movie could have just been that. For, for two hours and I'd be like this is too much I can't handle this uh, yeah it's weird when like though the white people are like it doesn't it doesn't uh, have enough ho- like genuine scares in it it's like really you don't think w- without giving anything away you don't think slavery is horrifying and scary yeah you don't think the like the abuse and 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 slavery and bondage of uh, 
of women is not scary. Yeah, I get it if it it like someone said if a uh, shallow film that feels like a gory theme park ride showcasing the horrors of slavery. I I get that because there was a part in the movie where like I was like I was questioning it and like why people would would sign up to do it. For for a brief period of time, I did I did find myself in that. See, moment. but I'm gonna challenge you. Why the fuck do we sign up to do anything with you guys? Uh, good question. <laughs> the fuck, like, yeah, like, uh, so. But that was before it, I understood the twist in the movie. Also, keep in mind. But but I'm, I don't even need no twist in the movie. You're gonna tell me that it makes more sense for Hattie McDaniel to want to play Mammy and Gone with the Wind when she can't even go into the Academy Awards to accept her, her or or she can't even sit in the Academy Awards while she's gonna accept her award. It makes more sense for her to play a slave in that movie made by a white person than it would to be a black person playing a slave in a movie by a black person. No, no, no. I like, like I knew. I knew that there was a reason that everyone was involved and interested in the movie, but there was a brief period of time where I was like, this is just brutal and there's got to be a good point to this. Otherwise, like, this is just rough, man. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no good point to it. That's the whole problem. The mistreatment and the brutal enslavement of black people, there was never a point. Y'all were tripping. Yeah, you're right. Y'all were doing too much. Like, black people were saying it the whole time, probably, during slavery. Like, what is the point? Can yeah. you someone tell me the message here? Yeah. That So, like, when you're watching that, it's also going to be like, oh, why do I have to sit through this? Why do I have to deal with this? Where, are they going to go anywhere? Is it going to... But I was like, what are we waiting for? Like, a, like a tragic love story between the slave owner and, the, and, and, and Janelle Monet? Are we, are we waiting for a tragic story of like of, of children being taken away from her and she's longing for her kids? Like, I don't like what a, there's not there's not much depth I'm going to get that I'm going to appreciate or enjoy. The whole a- aspect and element of the movie uh, makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm that's what I mean by what I'm saying is the whole thing is uncomfortable. So I find myself asking, why did we need to make this movie? And then but then. Obviously, there's a twist, and you under you start to understand why. Seems like a lot of these critics didn't like, or they didn't think that 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 story was enough to tell, of like the comparison between modern day and then the the plantation See, south. That this makes me very sad and disappointed because I feel like all of those points that they are making can be applied to why people don't want racism to end and don't want to dismantle systemic racism. Okay, how so? Because we're like. Why do we have to have this conversation? Why do I have to live through this again? I don't can like um I see how you're trying to connect the past racism to modern racism, but like I don't feel like that's enough to really validate. Like it sounds like this kind of Candace Owens and Heather McDonald conversation. I know that's not what they intend. Right. But that's what it sounds like to me. Let let black people make can we make four or five movies where we try to depict slavery and, and it not be appealing to you guys? Can we do that? Because we had to sit through the hundreds of fucking movies about slavery that were made by white guys to tell us what it was like. Yeah, and we that's had to true. just fucking deal with it. So why don't y'all sit through a couple hundred of them and then then you can complain. But until then, it's like, shut the fuck up and deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Because I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm sick of this. It's, I'm so sick of like everything having to be driven and told to be comfortable for the white guy. And if it's not, then mm, I don't know. It kind of missed the mark. 
it's like whether or not that's the intention, that's just how I feel. Yeah. And and like I said, there's a lot of black critics on here who felt that it didn't really execute a hundred percent as yeah, like a, I'm an idea. Sure those black critics, they wanted they wanted Django Unchained, and that's not we're not going to get that because this isn't about that. This yeah. isn't going to be Antebellum like this isn't going to be right. like oh Janelle Monae's in there like I'm gonna fuck these slave owners up. Hell, is that, that, like, it's she not may about, or may not have done that though. Maybe. Yeah. Look at you wanting to spoil the movie. I didn't but, spoil anything. I just said maybe it happens, maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Uh, but I will say the thing that I noticed that I don't think any of these critics have noticed, so fuck them, uh, <laughs> is that the whole movie, because I saw it twice, the N-word is used once. And it's by a black woman. And it's by it's between two black people. Like, yeah, Using talking. it as a term of endearment, kind of. She kind of talking shit, but it's just between two black women. That's the one time it's used. And yeah. this movie literally has slavery depicted for like an hour or more. Uh, and half the movie, more than half the movie is in like literally on a slave plantation. And the N-word's used once. But yet, Quentin Tarantino makes a movie. I love the movie. I love Django Chain. I love Quentin Tarantino's movies. But a hundred and what, four times or whatever the N-word was used? It was a lot. It did. You don't need it. I don't need the N-word to validate that this is a racist period. I don't need the N-word to validate that these people are are in a bad situation. And that, that was so interesting to me, that they were able to tell us a whole story without throwing that in there over and over and over again. And I also think that the the message of the movie is a cautionary tale that maybe people felt wasn't done 100% the best way, but it's still an important message. Like, that there is stuff out there that people are people are trying to, these Heather McDaniels and other people, Heather McDonald, whatever Heather her name McDonald, is. Heather McDonald, whatever. You can um, get her name right. She ain't worthy of that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're trying to take us back to this great past, this, this when America was great again. And that is not gonna stand. You've said it before, but we're not going back to the 60s. We're not going back to the 1800s. We're not going back anywhere. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, definitely not. We're moving forward. I We remember these things. Like, we're talking. That's why these conversations are so important, because we have to remind each other. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to come out the way we want to all the time. And it might make us feel bad or a little uncomfortable, but you have to push through it so we can get to a good resolution. Yeah, you have to make peace with with unlearning, I think. Yeah. And uh, just some people just don't want to do that. They're just so resistant to it. The the biggest thing that I learned, like, with our whole, our several, like, kind of arguments that we had or, you know, not confrontations, I make it sound like we were about to fight. Uh, But, like... I feel like the whole time I was like, I'm not fighting you. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, But, I mean, because you know you would lose. (laughs) Exactly. No, just kidding. The whole time, it's, like, so interesting because as I'm talking to you, I'm like, I don't want him to think that I think this of him. And I feel like you were saying the same thing. Like, I don't want you to think this of me. Or I don't want, like... So, we're like, but we kept pushing through it to make sure we finished it because it was it was it's very important to understand where a person's coming from so that we can meld these into a, into a final resolution like it's not about like who wins the argument it's not about who is right or who's wrong or like see i told you you are racist and i told you you are uh bigoted or i told you you're wrong and i'm right and, and everything you say is stupid it's never it's not about that it's or it about, shouldn't be about that it shouldn't be about that yeah like, I, like, when I was having these back and forth with all these people on Twitter, these guys 
were kind of arguing with themselves because never I never really disagreed with anything they were saying because like they came out of nowhere and trying to just tell me that I'm wrong when all I was they were doing was reciting a feeling of how I felt about Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite franchises. And they're like, nope, you're wrong. And I'm like, no, I can't be wrong because it's my feelings. This is how I win arguments all the fucking time because I tell people this is how I feel. So you can't beat that. You can't challenge that. That's how I feel. But what if uh, what if a white person or Candace Owens says, well, like, this is just how I feel. It's systemic racism isn't real. Then if she said that's how she feels, systemic racism isn't real. I would be like, that's true to you, Candace. Whatever experiences you occurred in your life, then that is true. But that's not what these people like her are doing. They're going out here and saying this is a fact. That systemic racism is a myth. This is a fact that black people grew up in a single-parent household, so therefore, this is why they're in the situation they are. I it's feel... A, it's yeah. a fact that they're not acting like Asians, uh, uh, which I just can't even say that out loud without feeling uncomfortable because it's like, damn, woman, that is a continent. I just get so mad when people refer to Africans and Asians as this catch-all and like, even Latin America. They're like, or not Latin Americans, Latin people. They're like, Latin people, Asian people, Africans, cut it out. Do you know how many languages that each of those continents, each of those uh, ethnic ethnic groups speak? Like way more than your than your little English, French, German, and <laughs> and Swedish, whatever you speak, you know, your four or five languages between your seven countries. They speak <laughs> like a little reductive, but yeah, <laughs> thousands. So stop it. Get on. Cut that out. So like, yeah. But the fact that they're they're saying all these definitive things that Heather McDonald's saying that is. That is the problem because it's not how she feels. It's she's saying this is the way it is. Yeah, and I think that if we, if I've learned anything from this conversation and from all of our conversations, it's that you might start, you might feel a certain way, but guess what? If the other person in a situation who's also affected by your actions and your behavior feels differently, now it's your problem. It doesn't it doesn't matter what your intentions are. Doesn't matter what they were. It doesn't matter what they are now. You have to, now that another person has a certain feeling that's different than yours, you have to address it. Yes. Good intentions are not, are not a, uh, an excuse or a, a, a dismissal or an absolve you of guilt or absolve you of actually creating pain. You can't be like, oh, I'm sorry. I know I made you cry, but I had a good intention, so I'm okay. No, it doesn't work that way. You got to push through it. Yeah, whether you're, whether you're in a relationship, a marriage, father to ch- child, or parent Work. to child, guardian to child, manager to employee, friend to friend. If someone has a reaction or emotion to what you are doing, saying, or believing about them or whatever, you know, whatever, if they're, whatever their emotional reaction is, it's true to them and it should, and you have to listen. Now you, there's a conflict and you need to resolve and it. And you need to resolve it. Sometimes it could be a good thing too, like which some people have a hard time dealing with. Like somebody might be happy and in love with someone, but the other person is not in love with them. You gotta still address it and be like, "Look, honey, baby, I'm not. Love ain't reciprocated. You can't just like it's not my problem to ignore it because that that that's not that's not how they how it works because it's still true to them until you until you tell them that it's not true to you. They're like, you have to you have to address it. So it's like it if you feel like systemic racism and the way that black people or people of color in this country feel isn't your problem or isn't a real issue and that they need to get over it, the fact that they're telling you that it's an issue, the fact that you're telling me that how I'm behaving is an issue, now now it's a conflict that I need to resolve. Yeah. Bottom line, at some point, you got to, white people as a whole, 
want to stop being associated with racism. Black people want to stop calling you racist. That's all we're trying to get to. We both have some, we both have work to do, but the only way we're gonna to get to to the to that goal is if we work together. Gotta to unlearn some behavior. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.